Let, let there be some joy in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's have fun. God is so fun. Amen. He's so good. Yes. And there is nothing like it. I can't say it enough. There's nothing like the love of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the love of your Father. There's nothing like the relationship and the love that is poured out through the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like it. And, uh, and I'm just, I, I can't tell you enough how honored my wife and I and our girls are to be back here and a part of this fellowship and back in ministry in this region and, and you know, doing the Lord's work uh, that we really feel called into and doing. And it's just been a blessing, you guys. So thank you for, you know, for being here. Thank you for being a part of the body. Thank you for coming here. Like, let's, let's, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, let's make a difference for the kingdom of heaven on earth in this region. Let's grab hold of the, the, the power and the authority that Jesus Christ has given us and declare his goodness to everyone around us because he loves them too. And so I just am so grateful to be here with you guys. Um, last week, we entered Advent season. And uh, for those of you, you know, who maybe don't know Advent or aren't familiar with it, I didn't know about it for a long, long time. Uh, I was definitely well into my adulthood when I discovered really what Advent was. It was just something that wasn't commonly taught in the church that I grew up in. And so, um, or at least I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> It might have been. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it is, you know, commonly it's the four Sundays leading up to the Christmas celebration. And Advent is, uh, li literally means coming. So it's the celebration leading up to the coming of the incarnate Christ. Um, God put on flesh as a baby in the manger. And, uh, and so that's the season we're in, is the season of remembering that God has come to earth to dwell among us and to lead us into salvation. Amen? And so that's the season that we're in. Last week we started it off, and I, I, I was, you know, it was sort of an intro message into this uh, Let Us Adore Him series that, uh, that we're doing over the holiday season or over the Advent season. And last week we started off with the intro message, which um, was really just, this, I pointed to this manger, and I just said, this is, in essence, the table of, of this season. This is the table that God set for us, and, um, and, uh, and that we should be not distracted by the other things that are controversial within our faith, but stand fast on that which is firm, which is Jesus came, and he lived, and he died and he resurrected and he is seated at the right hand of God and he is interceding on our behalf and he is loving us every moment of every day and this is the truth right when he when he says I'm the way the truth and the life he's like this is it he's like I'm the way to the father I'm the truth by which what by that which guides you we all everybody in the world right now is saying what is truth what is your truth and my truth it's become subjective and it's not truth is a person the truth is Jesus Christ. Yes, that's right. And he declared the truth, he walked in the truth, and he, he paved the way for us to follow the truth right into salvation. And so that's, that's really what he did when he came, and he came and he used this empty manger. It was open, it was available for the presence of the Lord to be placed in it. And so last week, my message was really about us learning to position our hearts to be just like that, open, available, and ready for the presence of the Lord to be increased in us. Because there is more. There's more that is available. There's always more. Amen. There's always more. Right? He's, he puts words in the, in the Bible like seek, because that's an action word. It's not, you don't stop seeking. You continually and forever and always seek. Right? That's, so it's not a, well, okay, I found him and now I'm good. No. 
He's in the work of perfecting us. And he wants us to keep laying down and confessing things. Just as Julie said this morning during worship, her confession over here in the, in the prayer room before the service, it was, it was beautiful. It was a confession of denying her self-reliance and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, that I rely on my understanding more than your understanding. And she confessed this, you know, before everybody in the room. And that's what we need to be about. And then we come around you in prayer. We build up and we encourage and we say, okay, amen. No more self-reliance. Let's do better at laying down our flesh yeah. and trusting in the Lord, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so that's, um, that's it. That's what, that's what we're aiming to do. That's what we're aiming to be, is a people who trust completely and wholeheartedly and position ourselves like this just open and empty and ready to be used for God's glory. And um, I want to bring up a quote. This was a quote I kind of ended the message on last week about brother, the Brother Lawrence, who wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. And he was a monk um, who loved, 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 loved trying to push himself more and more to take time to think of God each and every day. And he wrote a book about all these ways in which he would try to challenge himself throughout his work, throughout his relationships, throughout his private life, throughout everything he was doing. He's like, I just keep trying more and more to be in tune with who God is. And so this guy's heart is spot on. When you read his book, you're like, wow, man, this guy, he was a manger. Yeah. Every moment of every day, he was just open for the Lord's interaction, the presence of God to direct his steps. And he says, I regard myself, I think the quote's in there, in the computer. I regard myself as the most wretched of all men, stinking and covered with sores, and as one who has committed all sorts of crimes against his king. Overcome by remorse, I confess all my wickedness to him, ask his pardon, and abandon myself entirely to him, to do with as he will. I love this part. But this king. <sighs> filled with goodness and mercy, far from chastising me, lovingly embraces me, makes me eat at his table, serves me with his own hands, gives me the keys of his treasures and treats me as his favorite. He talks with me and is delighted with me in a thousand and one ways. He forgives me and relieves me of my principal bad habits without talking about them. I beg him to make me according to his heart, and always the more weak and despicable I see myself to be, the more beloved I am of God. Amen. And at the heart of this is, is the, ma the manger mentality, right? There's three ways in which I referred to the manger as an example for us in order to prepare our hearts uh, for more of the presence of God. And one of those things was um, don't be held back by the slop in your past, because <laughs> it's a manger right? It's literally a food trough for animals. Slop goes in it, and animals eat out of it. And uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and uh, if we're all honest, we all have slop in our past. Hold on just a second. You up there? Hello. I'm back. But yeah, so three, three ways to be like the manger. Um, don't be held by, back by the slop in your past. Uh, a, a really key thing is your past often represents your purpose or the purpose of your present and the calling of your future. You guys get that? The past often represents the purpose of your present and the calling of your future because God is not a wasteful God. God is a redeeming God. So everything that is and was slop in your past becomes something that, 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 that creates a purpose for you in the present and becomes usually your, your calling for your future because you have been given a testimony to, to declare the goodness of God. Amen. So I don't look at the slop of my past and say, oh, that was useless. Oh, I regret it. Oh, I hated myself back then. Although there are sometimes I still kind of look at it and go, oh, man, I was a jerk. But the, the, the point is God has brought me to a place under his uh, healing and under his, in his love and in his glory where I'm able to look back at it and say, it does not define me anymore. It doesn't hold me anymore. God has set me free. 
So the slop of my past has become something that has purposed me to do just this because I know you can be set free. And then it becomes the testimony by which I declare freedom over your lives. Through the power of Jesus Christ, be free from the slop in your past. And I believe that, that, that when we receive freedom through power, we have the power to declare freedom over others. Because I've seen it happen, so I know the power of God. When he has set me free from addictions, I've been able to go and say, be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Let people, number two, let people assist you in the preparation process. This is uh, something I was saying. I, mean, I highly doubt that they just took baby Jesus and put him in a sloppy, dirty manger. I'm sure Joseph, Mary, I'm sure that they prepared and clean, helped to clean out, assist, and lay fresh uh, straw in the manger in order to place their new baby boy in it. And it's just an indicator that we as a, as a community need to be able to come together to assist in this process of, of, of the cleansing. We need, to, you know, we need to be able to trust people to confess things to them. We need to be able to trust that they're not going to judge us, but that they're going to love us and that they're going to help us find assistance or help direct our, you know, us towards the Father and maybe towards other human beings that can help. That's what we need to do. We need to be a part of the community. And if you don't believe it, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is community. Other-centered love is who God is. One loves the other. The other loves, you know, right? The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. This is what they do. And they come around one another, uh, you know, in this unique form in order to become one. To be one. This is, they are both three and one. We are, all, we are all individuals, but we are also supposed to be one body with Jesus Christ as the head. And number three, we need to be humble. Right? Not much more humble than that. This is, this is pretty simple. It's a simple mechanism. It's a crate, essentially, that they put food in for animals to eat off of. And it's like, that's, we just need to simply be available inaccessible. The manger was a simple, lowly mechanism that was available and accessible for the moment that it was predestined for. And so in, the, in, the, in its moment, in its key moment in history, this device had the presence of God placed in it, and it became a part of the story for the rest of its existence, right? For the rest of eternity, that device is talked about every time we talk about Christmas, it's read about every time you read through the Gospels. Like, it's just, that's, that's what it is. But it's a matter of just simple humility and being open and being emptied of ourselves, of our own slop, of our own opinions and preferences and desires, and saying, God, we desire your presence first and foremost in our lives. Humility is making him the object of your affection unto the death of your self-independence. Let me say that again. Humility is making him the object of your affection unto the death of your self-independence. It's stepping into soul dependence and trust on Father God. That's what it means to, to walk humbly before the Lord. It's saying, I depend on you. I don't lean on my own understanding. I lean on you, and I look to you. So that's just, uh, it took a little longer than I was hoping for because I got a lot to get to. But that's just a little recap. I just wanted to remind you guys of the posture of your hearts that we talked about last week to, to have in regards to what we're speaking over these next three weeks with adoring the Father, adoring, actually I think next, the next one will be the Holy Spirit. That way adoring the Son falls on Christmas. It's only fair we talk about Jesus on Christmas. So, yeah, Christmas Eve. Um, so, uh, so we're... You know, I had a little struggle with that, right? Because I'm like, we always say the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. I'm like, now it's out of order. Now it's Father, Holy Spirit, Son, and it doesn't matter. Um, it's all one. <laughs> um, just wonderful, wonderful independent attributes and personalities of, of one God. And, and I love it. Or persons. <laughs> Not personalities. He doesn't have multiple personality disorder. He doesn't. He's, he doesn't. He's, he's one God. Um, so this morning, and I, guys, 
This is something I'm growing in, my wife and I are growing in. I, I, I can't possibly communicate to the magnitude, the love of the Father for you. And so I'm going to try my best this morning so that you can understand the love we need to have towards the Father. But it's not, it's not something you can humanly say with, with English words and have it be enough. So I, I'm, I feel really restricted in my ability to declare this morning how much he loves you. I just, so, so bear with me as I try, is all I'm saying. Bear with me as I try. Adoration is, uh, it means to have a deep love and respect. To worship and veneration or reverence. So that's what we're talking about increasing in this, this morning is adoring the Father. So it's this idea of adoration, an increase in adoration towards the Father. Deep love, respect, worship, and reverence. That's what we want to have cultivated in, in these coming weeks towards the, the Trinity, towards our God. But the Father's heart for you and me is exemplified in this wonderful act of placing his son Jesus in the manger. The Father's heart for you is exemplified through this. The manger was and is a table that was set for the whole world. And I'm not, when I say the whole world, I mean the whole world. Because this was literally a, a table for animals. And that's not just happenstance. That's not just, you know, oh, it was what was there and available. God was saying something through the fact that his son was placed in a manger. And that was that his intention is not just to save us, but to redeem all of creation. The Father's plan all along has been to see all of creation redeemed to him. So what he declared through this miraculous act was that, just that, that all that you see has been created by him and will be used by him to redeem everything unto himself. All things are being used for the furthering of the kingdom of light and love. Guys, all things are being used for the furthering of the kingdom of light and love. So whether you are in the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ, his plan supersedes whatever your plan is. It's a flowing river towards an end, and it azar it's already been declared. The end has been declared. And so if you are outside of the river... That doesn't change the fact that he's utilizing everything around you. He's utilizing all of your circumstances, your situations towards that end. But I'm going to tell you right now, this morning, it's much easier to be in the flow of the river, of the, of the river of life that God has for you, than to be outside of it and trying to fight against it because it's going to come. This, this, this wonderful future event is going to happen. And he, the table that he set is going to happen. And so I just appeal to you, wherever you are, in whatever ways you might be outside, get inside. Get, into the, get in alignment. Seek God and get in alignment with his plan and purpose for your life. Because that is going to effectively improve everything. It's, it's going to change everything for you. Ephesians 1, 7 through 12 declares this. In him we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. This is like all about the Father. And what his will is, what he's doing. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, that's the time I'm talking about. That's the end that's coming. The fullness of the times of the age that's coming, right? He might gather together in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. So this is what I'm saying. He's redeeming it all. 
And this was the table set for all. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So the beautiful thing this morning is all of humanity, all of it, has a place at his table. All of it has an available place at his table should they choose to take the seat. And this message, guys, again, remember, right now I'm trying to declare over you how much he loves you. He made a place for you from the beginning of time at his table that's available for you. And he is up there and he's like, come on. Do you not see what I've done? Do you not see how much I love you? And he had it heralded for everybody from shepherd boys, the lowliest of low as far as status, to magi who were royal counselors of nations far away. He had the message sent from one end of the world essentially to the other. And he had it it for people who were nearby. The shepherds were right there, and he had it for people who were far away, which is a reflection of the commission by which we are being sent to herald the same news. We're being sent to herald the same news. Come to the party. Come to the table. You have a place at the table because Jesus sent his son for you, and his son loves you, and his son died for you, and his son lives, and his and is advocating for you every moment of every day. <laughs> ah, thank you, Jesus. What I love too, though, is it was also a message that was heralded by angels we have heard on high. And at the same time, through a small baby's cry, he went from heaven to earth, from east to west all in this moment, declaring, come to the table. There wasn't, that's, he didn't leave a single person. Everybody falls in the spectrum of who's invited to this. Everybody. Sin doesn't keep you from the table. In essence, sin doesn't keep you from being invited to the table, is what I should say. Sin is what keeps us from the table, but it doesn't keep us from being invited to the table. So some of, some of us, I'm like, I just am thinking, like, you're like, wow, even them? They're invited? <laughs> yes. Are you sure those people are invited? Yes. What about the person in your mind that you're going, they're unforgivable? Are they invited? Yeah. What about the person who hurt you? Yeah. His value for you and for them and for all humanity stands the same right there. His value for you is right there. When he died on that cross, he said, I value every single man, woman, and child. Their sin doesn't define them. Forgive them. And then herald this message to them. Be the angel. Be the baby. Be the shepherd. Be the wise man. Be the manger. Allow yourself to be filled with his presence and then declare this story to the ends of the earth. He wants everyone at the table should they choose to accept it. Um, Obviously one of the best verses ever and we commonly refer to it about this is John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But God did not give his son to condemn the world, 
It says in 17, he gave his son to save it. That's everybody. That's everything about it. This is the father's love. The father's love, it goes so far beyond our personal circumstances. It goes so far beyond. The statement clearly declares um, two things. And these are two things that God really wants us to understand about him. That he has authority and that that authority is encompassed in great, great love. Because God is love. (laughs) There's nothing he can do separate from love because that's who he is. The Bible says it. It says God is love. So his authority is covered in his great love. But he's wanting us to understand both the authority that he has and the love that he has. And it comes out in John 3, 16 and 17. Because the love is declared through the giving of the Son, but the authority is declared through the fact that he could, if he chose to, condemn the world, as he did in the days of Noah. But he's not. So he's, both, he's letting you know, I have authority, but I have, I've covered it in love. It's my son, Jesus Christ. And in light of this revelation, we have, to, we have a choice to accept this truth and return our adoration to him. Because there's obviously nothing he won't give in order to see you sit at the table. So the choice is yours. The choice is ours. It's mine. Am I going to return my adoration to him each day? Am I going to wake up and say, God, I declare you Lord of my life today. And I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna find, I'm not going to find time. I'm going to make time to be with you today. Colossians 1, 13 and 17 kind of reiterates this idea as well. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So what I'm saying. He's using all things to bring us to one end. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. All means all, guys. There's not, a, not anything outside of him. And that it isn't being utilized by him. So in light of this truth God, uh, of God, love for us, sorry, in light of this truth of God's love for us, we need to be saying, Father, we adore you. <laughs> Adoration, worship, reverence, seeking him. But I often... I just wonder at times if we truly recognize this, right? I mean, it's in our, in our nature, in our flesh, and who we are, we, we struggle. I mean, that's, you know, we struggle with recognizing his supremacy. We struggle with recognizing at times his authority because we get into thinking our own thoughts and relying on our own understanding and trying to do things through our own strength that we, 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 we start to to get out of alignment with the fact that he is the authority and it's, it's him that we need to rely on and seek after more and more and more because then the, 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 the circumstances by which you're striving for, the circumstances by which you're struggling through will shift. And like I said, get into the flow of, of his will for your life, his plan and purpose for your life. There is a flow that he has for you. And so... We need to see this moment for what it truly is. We have to come to understand this manger moment when Jesus was placed in the manger, that it was the greatest save the date invitation that's ever been sent out. (laughs) It was the greatest save the date invitation that's ever been sent out. It was a save the date for an internal 
celebration with the king of heaven and earth, right? So I keep all future dates available. <laughs> I had to put that in there. I'm like, get ready. Get ready. I'm just trying to like, ah, uh, like we got to get beyond, you know, the things we think we know, scrap what we think we understand and allow God to speak to our hearts and, and, and enlighten us. This is why we have to become empty of our opinions and our preferences and our, our theologies and our agendas. You know, we think, you know, God's going to move like this or God's going to move. Like, we don't know. We have to accept that we can't possibly understand how God's going to move at all times. We have to just trust in God that he will move because that's what he does. That's who he is. And so we have to just recognize he has sent out an invitation, and it's, a, it's this. It's literally the greatest save-the-date invitation. He put a star in the sky to say, come on, everybody. He called people from far and wide by putting a, a star in the heavens. I'm like, I don't think any of you guys could send out a, a save-the-date like that. And it was all to declare Jesus was going to be seated at the table. And that you have a place. Hmm. I just, I mean, my heart is just like, I just love, my heart is the, the love of the Father to be bubbling up inside of everybody in the room. <laughs> That's my heart. My heart is that the love of the Father is bubbling up inside of everybody in the room because it's just so good. And I, I mean, like I said, I can't do it justice. I'm like, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm too probably consumed with my notes because I'm just trying to like convey it, but I can't do it justice. And his love goes beyond this room to everybody outside of it and his purposes his plans are for good not for evil to prosper not to destroy right and so i just i, I want to share this this is a, a little flashback because i think this was a great word over this house and um this happened back on august 13th of this year brother denny atwater um, AJ, Pastor AJ showed me this clip because I was talking to him about this message leading up to today. And I was like, this is my heart. This is what I want is for people to understand their place at the table and that they have an invitation to, their, to this, this feast in the future, this save the date moment. And so I, AJ was like, man, that sounds a lot like something I've heard. And so he went back in the archives and he pulled up this this. Um, message that, that Denny got to share, and, uh, and it was so good, and uh, it was based off of a dream that he had, which also excites me, because in Acts 2, it says, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall pro uh, prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Sorry, Denny. Um, your young men shall see visions. Uh, so good. So, I, and, and this was coupled with my vision that I had, so I get to declare myself a young man. Uh, no, but uh, seriously, no, it was so good. This dream was amazing. General's scriptural basis for this was spot on. It was John 14, 2, 3 that the Lord showed him or gave him, which is, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And uh, Denny, he heard the scripture, and then God enlightened him to sort of a, a, a dream interpretation of this invitation, of this idea of the place that's being prepared for him. And he saw in his dream this gorgeous garden. And he was walking in this garden that, he, you know, he, he said he, he found a picture that he had put up, and he was like, this doesn't even do it justice. The garden is, that I saw in my dream was so much beauti more beautiful. And, uh, and he said, and I was walking in this man in, in all white with white hair and, um, you know, 
white mutton chops, he said, came up to him, white tuxedo. It was like he was like really dressed nicely. Comes up to him and says, you know, hi, are, are, you know, can I help you? And Denny was like, in the dream, you know, hearing a, a sound off in the distance. He's like, what's going on over there? And this guy was like, oh, this is, there's a, you know, like a celebration that's being prepared for over here. And, uh, and he's like, can I go check it out? Then he asked the guy, can I go check it out? So he goes. And it just was sounding like this big, huge event that was being prepared. The man asked him, are, are you a servant of the Most High God? He's like, yes, I am. He's like, great. Or no, at, yeah, well, yeah, first they said that. And he took him to, and he tried to find the servant's entrance. And he's like, I'm not finding the servant's entrance anywhere. He's like, do you have an invitation? And Denny, you know, in the, it's a dream. So Denny's like, well, yes, I do. And he pulls out these. Like, he just kind of intrinsically knew he had an invitation. He pulls it out. He hands it to him. And he's like, oh, you were, uh, you were asked, uh, you know, to have Jesus come into your life and, uh, and be your Lord and Savior. So uh, we're actually looking for the guest. And you accepted the invitation. So we're looking for the guest entrance. And so the guy starts taking him around the house, around the property, and he's like, no, I'm, not finding the, I'm not finding the guest entrance anywhere. And he turns it out, and he looks at, the, at Denny, and he says, has, has the Spirit of God witnessed to your spirit that you are a son of God, and have you acknowledged that you're a child of the king? And, he, and, and Denny's like, yes, I have. And he's like, oh, we're looking for the family entrance. And so God starts, or this guy starts walking him around and takes him in through the family entrance. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful mansion. There's this huge table, and there's all these golden place settings all over the table. And there was a band that was, uh, you know, every so often they would play a couple uh, notes. You know, I can only imagine they were probably tuning their instruments in preparation. But every time they would start playing a couple notes, there was such an excitement in the room because they, the, the guests at the party knew that once the band really began to play, it was going to be to announce the entrance of the king. And, 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 and Denny could just feel the excitement and the anticipation and the joy and the hope that was in the room. And he said, and then he saw a place setting. And he knew right away, he's like, he saw the table and he saw the golden plates and silverware and he was just like that's is that for me and the guy was like yeah that's for you and he was like oh I want that seat he, starts, he said he started to step forward and the guy kind of put his arm out was like it's not time to sit down yet guys it's not time to sit down yet but the, this party this vision this dream this rev I would I believe to be a revelation of what's to come it's coming but we don't like we don't have to not have that anticipation, excitement, and joy in our lives. Now. We can have it now. We don't have to, to be like overrun by the, the, the trouble, by the, by the spirit that is. There are, there's a spiritual war going on all around us, and it's trying to tell you, oh, seasonal depression. Prepare yourself. Seasonal depression's coming. No. In Jesus' name, no. You, we can be filled with joy. Amen. We can be filled with happiness. We can look at the rain and see it for what it is, a blessing from God in order to soak the soil in order that a harvest might come. We can look at the snow and see it for what it is. Life comes out of death. We can look at all of these things and we can see the work and the hand of God in them and not say, I'm just going to be depressed all winter long. I cannot believe I have to shovel snow. I can't, you know, I, like, that's us agreeing with the discouraging spirits of the world. That's aligning our whole being with the enemy's lies of depression, discouragement, you know, uh, all of those things. Or we can have spirits filled with the joy of the coming celebration of the Lord. I just love this dream. Thank you, Danny, for sharing it. For, I mean, because some people, we do. Guys, please share your dreams with us. Share, if you get a dream like this, woo, you know, or another dream, like, like, but you feel there's a spiritual 
significance to it, share it with us, and we would love to, you know, pray with you about it and seek the Lord about it, because if there's words, I don't believe that it's just me that's meant to get up here and share a message every Sunday. I believe that God's speaking to us through the body, and that, you know, that there might be other people having dreams that need to be shared to the body, because we are a body. So I'm not working solo up here, you know, and, you know, Rich and Ann or Kira, like, we're not trying to, like, just do a thing. We want to be living out the text. Mm -hmm. And that's us working together in unity and sharing, loving one another. But what I really thought was super interesting that I want to point out is he was not a servant. He was not a guest. He was a child. Did you guys catch that in the dream? Did it stick out to you? This process? Because, I mean, think about it. I'm not, I don't want to go to a party and have to serve. It's not, like, that's not the relationship that the Father wants to have with you. <laughs> I don't want to even go as a guest, because when you go to somebody else's house as a guest, you know it's still a little awkward, right? You're like, you, you know, you're like trying to be just at ease, but at the same time, you're like, I don't, can I do that, or am I going to be crossing a line, or uh, I'll, just, I'll just sit and hold my hands and not, uh, um, am, am I allowed to eat, or do I have to wait, or, uh, 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 uh. I mean, there's just like, a, even as a guest, there can be an awkwardness, and so God's not asking you to even come as a guest, he's asking you to come as his son, and his daughter, as his beloved child. When I go to my parents' house, I'm opening up fridges, I'm grabbing the juice, I'm like walking away, trying to take sips out the bottle, you know what I'm saying, without my mom catching me, like, no, I'm not, I don't, maybe I do. Um, the, cookie jar. <laughs> the cookie jar, dad's like, get your hands on my cookie jar, boy. Um, but that's the love of the father for you, that of a son and a daughter in a family who's welcomed. I want to just take a look really quick because now I want to get to the, I'm, I'm trying to transition from, like I've been trying to just really get out there how much he loves you, guys. But now I want to talk about our response to that love and how we get to a place of adoring him more and more. How, do we, how we step up our level of relationship with God. So let's take a look at Luke 15, 17 to 24. This is the parable of the, the lost son or the prodigal son, which most people are familiar with. But there's some things in here that I think really indicate um, the final word that God gave me about how to increase in our adoration. But when he came to himself, I love that, when he, he came... So this is, the son has gone away. He's already taken, for context, the, he's already taken his early inheritance from his father, which in that time would have been an extreme slap to the face of his father who was still living, you know. Um, and he, he, he asks for it early, and he takes off because he just wants to go because he was being tempted by the desires of the world. And he goes and he frivolously wastes all of his inheritance, and he ends up in a land far a way um, that ends up going through a famine. So he is miserable. He has no food to eat. He has no money to spend. He ends up going into business under a man who says, you can sleep with the pigs and, you know, and, and help kind of take care of the animals type of thing. So he's sleeping in this stall and stable. And again, the slop comes back into play. And so there's like, you know, he's out there and he's like feeding the pigs. And he was also eating what was in the pig's slop. Like, that's how low and disgusting it got for this person in their, in their circumstances because they chose to go their own way and try to do it in their own mind and strength. But then it opens up with this statement. But when he came to himself, in other words, when he came to his senses, he finally woke up to the reality of the situation in which he was in. He says to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he had this little inner dialogue where he realized the, you know, his situation and what he could return to. It says, then he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son, or this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. <laughs> mm hmm So good. So good. So the, the first half of this, you know, first few verses where he's having this inner dialogue um, with himself, it reveals something about the son's, it, re it reveals a lot, actually, about the son's relationship with the father. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? This was like his realization of the heart of his father. Because he's saying, oh my gosh, my, my, my father takes care of even his servants with such generosity and with such abundance and with such care. And it's like, I'm here starving, but my father loves even his servants who aren't his sons as if they were. And he's like, he, and so he has this revelation while he's in this muck and mire, while he's in this slop where he says, my father's heart, my father's heart is beautiful. And he, and he loves. And then he says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he arose and came to his father. And so that train of thought of his confession and, and understanding that he would be received showed that he understood his father's mercy. Do you understand? Like he knew that if he got up and he, he went back to his father with a heart of contrition, confessed his, his sin and said, I'm just, I just, I'll be your servant, Lord. I don't even need, I, like, Father, I don't even need to be reinstated as your son. But he arose and chose to do that because he knew his father well enough to know that the mercy of his father would be at hand. That the, his father would be merciful over him. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. In this moment, he, in, he encountered the father's passionate desire for him. And then the father, he's, he goes through his whole plea of confession and his father's like, I'll have none of that. He's like, none of that. He's like, go get the best robe, put it on him, get the ring, put it on him, you know, put shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf. Like, we're going to eat and be merry. We're going to celebrate because my son who is dead is returned and, and is alive. And I love him so, so, so very much. And so this shows the truth about the nature of God. Again, the love of the father towards us. But we have to get to a place where we understand, like he did, the love of the father, the heart of the father. We have to get to the place where we can say for certain, I can pick myself up, brush myself off, and look at God and say, I'm sorry. And he's going to have the heart to forgive. And he's going to have the mercy to reinstate to the fullness. Like, that's what we need to cultivate a relationship with God to get to that point. And so as I was asking the Lord this week, I was like, what is it, Heavenly Father, What's, what is the word? What is the way 
in which we adore you the way you deserve to be adored. And I was running with the Lord. Um, something I do. <laughs> I go for runs and I just listen to worship or I listen to messages and I just spend time with God. And as I was running and I was praying and I was asking this question, I heard the word solitude. I heard the word solitude. And I was like, oh, that's a good word, interesting word. People might perceive that in many different ways. Um, but this is a, a quote by Henry Nouwen that I think really um, is the heart of, of why God gave me this word. Um, Henry Nouwen wrote in one of his books, Without Solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to him. That's the word that I was given this morning for this church in regards to increasing in our adoration of the Father is this word of solitude. The word derives from the Latin solus or sola, which means only or alone. And the root is tude, which comes from tuda or tudinus, which means a state of being. So we want to be alone with the Father. Sola is also the prefix for the word solus, which means to be comforted. And so we want to be comforted by the Father. That's what we all desire. The deepest part of our beings, we all desire to be a, to be in a place where we are, where we're, where we feel safe, where we feel comforted, where we feel cared for, and so that's that's the word that was given is that we want to seek out a state of being comforted by the Father. And now here's the thing: the key word here is our is in our seeking, because if we seek it, it speaks to the Father our adoration. If we seek it, it speaks to Him our adoration, because. How many of you in here are parents? A lot of you. How many of you have had a moment where your child comes up to you and is like, or maybe they're a little too big now for that, and they're just like <laughs> looking down. <laughs> I'm like, every time my girls come up to me and do this, Every time Scarlett looks at me and does this, it says it all about how much she loves me yeah. and how the comfort that I can offer her in that moment because I know she just wants to be wrapped up in daddy's arms. Oh, yeah. And so when she comes to me or when Chloe comes to me, like I've had Chloe be like, hey, can I just spend time with you? Like, can we just play a game together? And the love I feel in that moment is tremendous from my child. Because she wants to be alone with her daddy. She knows that that's the place she's going to feel loved. She's going to feel safe. She's going to feel comforted. And so, so the desire, and Julie had a word this morning while we were in prayer. And so... Um, I just want to share this because I think it's discovery or discovering was the word that she had this morning while we were in prayer. She's like, I really feel like there's a word for this morning, discovery. I'm like, yes, because discovering how to be in solitude with the Father is what I want to see happen in this church. It's the heart that I have for this community is that you discover this morning a, 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 a place in your heart, a place that isn't full of other stuff, that is accessible and available and that you prioritize solitude with the Father. That's my prayer. My greatest desire I could possibly have is that this message stirs you up to, 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 to discover that place in your heart where you can find solitude with the Father. <laughs> King David in the psalm says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This was a man who knew the secret place. 
That's really what it is. So, when the word solitude is synonymous with secret place. Get in your closet. Get with the Lord. Spend time with Jesus. And the man who dwells there in that secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means safety. He's looking to care for you and he's looking to cover you under the shadow of his wings. He's looking to be your strong tower, your refuge. Like my girls, when they come to me, you know, or they come in the middle of the night, I had a bad dream, can we climb in with you? You know, in my flesh, there's the initial, <clears throat> and then in reality, I'm like, come on in, you know. I'm like, that's, <laughs> but that's the, that's the God part that's like, come on in. <laughs> da- if you read the Psalms, David has so, so, so many times he talks about the secret place. You want to hear or know or find out more about what it is to be in solitude with the Father? Read through the Psalms. Jesus Christ himself said this in Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew, or no, this is about him. He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus himself was oftentimes drawing into solitude with the Father because he knew the necessary, um, that it was a necessity to his continual connection and walking in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit were those times of solitude with the Father. It was a necessity. He adored his Abba. (laughs) In Matthew 6, 6, he says this, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Julie and Jason, if you guys want to come on up, we're going to, I have just a, um, one last quote I want to read by Brother Lawrence. Last week I said, Brother Lawrence in Practicing the Presence of God. If you haven't read that book, we highly recommend you read that book. But a lot of what we're talking about in this heart of adoration and increasing in adoration is coming from this, this book. Uh, practicing the presence of God. And, um, and so there's this one last quote, and then I wanna, I'm going to do something uh, after I get done reading this to just sort of pray into this and a- try to activate the body. That's you guys if you didn't know. Um, Brother Lawrence said this, we must, know before, we must know before we can love. In order to know God, we must often think of him. And when we come to love him, we shall then also think of him often, for our heart will be with our treasure. Where your heart is, your treasure is. If I can just say something, the book, the book that you're talking about, it's only like $1.99 on CCLI. And if you're an Amazon person, it's only like $3 or something. Mm-hmm. So you should just get it. I just bought it. She'll get her royalties later for that plug. Um, (laughs) So at this time, what I really want to do is just ask you guys to stand up. Please, everybody, if you wouldn't mind standing up. I know you've been sitting for a while. You guys have been great. (laughs) Um, But I want to ask you guys to stand up. And uh, it's just... This is just a sort of a, more of a prophetic act. I don't know how often it's been done in this house in the past. I've never done it here before. Um, but I want to I start doing these sort of activations. Kira and I were talking about this. And this because it's a matter of, of choosing, right? The prodigal son was in the muck. He was thinking about his father, but then he had to choose to get up and go. So it always comes down to a choice in our lives as to whether or not we're going to keep doing what we're doing, how we're doing it, the way we're doing it, or whether we're going to choose to shift and to do something different in the way God's asking us to or in the way God's prompting us to. And so I want to pray a prayer over you guys, but as part of the choice of activation, I want to ask you guys to put your hands out like this as if you're receiving a gift. Because God wants to give you a gift this morning. He wants to put something inside of you. It's okay if you're holding children. You don't have to do it. (laughs) There's your gift. (laughs) But put your hands out in front of you. And I just want to pray this prayer over you. Lord, let adoring you become our greatest desire. That this word of discovering what it is to adore you in solitude would result in a shift 
and our intentionality to make time to be in the secret place with you. Because that is what it looks like to adore you, Father. Help us to seek solitude with you so that no matter how far away we may feel, no matter what slop is in our past, we know your character well enough to know that you will receive us back as sons and daughters with open arms, with kisses, with all that we need, all that we require. And then we aren't coming back to be a servant. We're not coming back to just be a guest. But that we're coming to you to be able to take a seat at the table as your son and your daughter in whom you love and adore. We pray all of this before you, most high king of heaven. We pray all of this in your son's mighty name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song and then we are uh, able to go. But remember, you do not, don't leave ever. If you need prayer for anything, um, you know, we have people, pastors here that are available for prayer. If you want to come to the altar at this time because you're wanting to step out in adoring your father, you can come to the altar. It's always open. Um, and uh, yes, other than that, be blessed and have a wonderful day. But let's, uh, let's sing this hymn. It was laid on my heart regarding the, loves, the love of the Father for all of you, that we can return to him in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>